I feel like the people that are here now, like I gotta go to war for them every day because they hung in here when things got tough. They're super loyal and they are the most talented and I don't wanna lose any of them. Company culture can make or break a business. So it's important to ensure your whole team share the same ambitions and mindset. I gotta work on our culture to get back to my original focus, which was helping, like care for each other, we care for our clients and we care for the community and just build it up that way because rather than operate on the fear, I want people to come in every day excited that what they do here makes a difference for people. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, the show where elite personal injury attorneys and leading edge marketers give you exclusive access to grow strategies for your firm. Russell Nicolay is a Wisconsin and Minnesota based lawyer with a mission to help people. As soon as he got his law degree in 2007, he got straight down to business with the founding of Nicolay Law and 12 years later added two more companies into the mix, both aimed at helping local businesses and common issues Russell had faced himself. Russell joined me on the show share his tips for growing a company, the benefits of working with family, and the importance of a strong company culture. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. An important first step for any lawyer is to really understand the people around them. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Russell Nicolay, president and managing attorney at Nicolay Law. I wouldn't say I always knew I would be an attorney. I think there were seeds planted by my family members over time. But, you know, we come from kind of a blue collar family. I was the first to go to college uh, in my family for four year university. So when I grew up, I spent I was born in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, the western part of Wisconsin. But I spent most of my life on the eastern part of Wisconsin, uh, Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. The real blue collar city. It's a little different now. I was actually over there yes or Tuesday for depositions. It's still got that. I, I love it over there, but it's a tourism industry now with the Packers. So it's a little different. When I grew up over there, my mom was a nurse and my dad worked at UPS almost his entire life. And she, I think, was had high hopes for all of us kids. And I remember I had to be in grade school. She took me to a lawyer's office downtown Green Bay. And this is like, you know, we're, we're kind of out in the sticks a bit. So this is real fancy. And we sit in this law office and it's got like the mahogany wood and books and, and the lawyers, I don't even remember what they said. All I remember is we ate like one of those cookies that's shaped like a pizza. And I'm sure they talked to us. <laughs> it was probably some lawyer marketing or outreach for the community. Right. So my mom brought me down and that's my first, like, interaction or even knowledge or anything about being a lawyer. So maybe it started back then, you know, that nostalgia, the giant chocolate chip cookie every time you go to law office. I don't even remember the attorneys. They might still have an office down there, but I do remember being impressed by just the way the office looked and felt. But you know, the, the problem that I had and it's, it's self-inflicted is I was not a studious child. When I was younger, I did pretty well in school. But I got to high school and, you know, for, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't really focused on school. I was focused on having a girlfriend, um, doing what I wanted to, you know, just, just whatever. And uh, my plan was to join the Army. And my grades weren't very good. And my grandfather was a Korean War vet. And so 
he had told me stories and we had kind of a, a history through his side of the family of going back to like the civil war, um, being in the army of you know, armed forces. And I thought, this is what I'll do. And I, I think, you know, I was a little bit of a troublemaker. So I think also I'd been threatened to be put in military school or something. That wasn't a terrible kid, but I just didn't, my direction in life was, was not where it needed to be. And so eventually what happened was I was about, I was with the army. They're getting ready. The recruiting guys are saying, Hey, you know what? They're taking you out to McDonald's They're getting everything ready. You're going to graduate. Yep. 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 And my mom goes, can you just do me a favor and take, take the ACT for me? And I said, sure, mom. And I said, but I don't even know where I'd go to college. She said, we got to pick one. And there's a little college in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, which is kind of central Wisconsin. And the only reason I picked it was because my uh, one of my teachers in high school would tell us stories about playing foosball and hanging out with his friends there, right? What the heck? I picked that. Do the do the ACT. Um, forget about it. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to the Army. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And, and I remember, and this is probably the start of where I am today, is I remember telling the recruiters, Hey, I want to be in the army because I want to see what I, you know, I got to see what I'm made of. I want to push myself and find out what I can do. And I've not been doing a good job of that. And they're like, yep, yep. You know, we want you um, in any event. I got my results back and I got into this school, Stevens Point. And so now I'm stuck here. Okay, well, I want to go to the army, but my mom really wants me to go to college. So I reach out to my grandfather, who's a Korean War vet, just a really kind of an old soul type guy. And he goes, what, you got into college? You're going to college. And he's like, you, you know, and he, I think he may have barely had a high school education, maybe an eighth grade education. Most of my family members, and a lot of them turned out to do great things. But if you go back there, rural Eau Claire, rural Northern Wisconsin, and that's you know, not a lot of educational background. Now, some of my aunts and uncles later went to college and things like that too. But so he was super excited. And I said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to college and, you know, I told the recruiters that they were not happy with me, but I trusted my grandpa. He had fought. He was a veteran. He was a smart guy. You know, he cared about us as kids. So, and I went, I went to uh, Stevens Point, and it, it kind of happenstance, a few things. One of my cousins ended up going there, too. So I roomed with him, and then something just clicked. I was like, all right, I'm here. I got to earn my keep. You know, I got to do what I'm supposed to do. So that started me in college. That That's amazing. And Jeez, your life could have been so much different, right? If you just never went and took that ACT. And and I, I like that you had the support of your family and they really pushed you. And of course, you never want to let your family down. And I, I think that's an incredible story. And, you know, jumping ahead. So you go to law school, you get you become a lawyer. And then, you know, shortly after you're you're first in again, you're you're hanging your shingle in 2007. You launch Nicolay Law, you know. What were those early days like? What was the trigger then to make that move to hang your shingle? Well, some of the things started when I was in college, I joined this legal society and there was an attorney that volunteered through Stevens Point um, and did low, kind of like, it, I think it was five or $10 and you could get a consultation advice. She might even represent you. And she really helped out a lot of students. And, and so I got involved and this is kind of my early days of marketing. I was just telling somebody this the other day. Now, remembering this, I was out hanging up like posters in the like commons areas like we have. And I remember, you know, just like these little cartoons, like we have legal services, five dollars. And so I made her probably busier than she wanted to be. <laughs> but 
that was an experience with an attorney where I saw someone just wanting to help. I mean, that by, she got hardly anything from the school, the five bucks with nothing, you know, it was just, she wanted to help people out. She wanted to use her law degree to help the community. And I think that made me really think like, this is a good profession. She can help people make a difference and just be part of the community. And so when I got to law school, I'm like, I finally made it. I'm in law school. This is great. A lot of the alumni were coming back to the early alumni, you know, just graduated, just got their first job. And they're, they're telling us these stories about working at these big firms and, and no offense to people that work at big firms, but it sounded terrible. And I'm like, I think I got in the wrong, you know, I'm doing the wrong thing. This is not, I don't want to work. Um, and I'm downtown Minneapolis because I went to school in the cities. I'm like, I can't do that. I just can't do that. And so my first semester, I, I can still recall walking up to the front of the William Mitchell Law School and thinking to myself, think next semester I'm out of this place, man. I got to, I got to recalibrate. I got to think about this. And so what happened towards the end of that year, I ran into through a family friend, a solo practitioner, trial attorney in Hudson, Wisconsin, and she needed a law clerk. Uh, she had a backload of personal injury cases. She had a lot of family law and I got that job. And, and that transformed my thought of, of the legal field, being a lawyer, work in the community, it was kind of back to the original attorney that I met at Stevens Point. She had that same thing. She had an office and people knew her in the community. Her clients knew her personally. And I was impressed how she ran a business and I was impressed how she handled cases. It's clear that even before Russell's career really got underway, he already had a great idea about what sort of lawyer he wanted to be. And so in 2007, with just a laptop, a printer, and a scanner, he went all in and launched Nicolay Law. I asked Russell what those first few months of bootstrapping were like and how his experiences up to that point helped him on his way. I mean, I picked up a few things from her. When I left her office, I left her office right before I took the bar exam because I decided I had all my chips in and I needed to pass this bar exam. So I took off, I think a month or two before the bar exam and went all in, like just like a job. I would get up and just study, study, study. And I had actually been clerking as like an, an internship for a judge. And I told the clerk there, I said, my goal is I'm gonna get licensed in Wisconsin and I'm gonna get licensed in Minnesota because then I'm gonna have enough work in both states. And she's like, well, you know, that's kind of a tough thing, you know, to get your hopes up because you gotta score high enough. And I said, that's my goal. I'm doing it. I'm going out on my own. And then I'll, I think between the two states, I'll have enough work to start. And so that was my plan going in. And, and I did it. I passed the bar in Wisconsin and my score was high enough that I was able to wave in uh, into Minnesota. I didn't have an office. I had the laptop. I bought a Dell laptop for like 500 bucks. I bought a Fujitsu scanner um, that I'd done all this research on, you know, because it was a huge purchase. It was about 500 bucks as well. And then a, I think a laser jet printer, which was a big expense. So I was like 1500 bucks in, man. That was about it right then. <laughs> yeah. And you know, your story is quite a bit different because most people, they'll start in their local city. They're kind of, you know, own their territory there. And then they, then they kind of expand out. But you're like, hey, I'm going after Minnesota and Wisconsin. I'm going to, I'm going to have multiple offices and and really expand, you know, so you said, you know, like, hey, I learned PPC, I learned payroll, human resources. You know, what were what were some of those early hires like 
to to take off some of those hats to really take it to the next level? Well, I think the the first thing what happened is so when I was I took the bar exam and I didn't know that I I passed. You, know, you wait, everybody waits in anticipation. You hope to hell you pass. But I said, you know, what am I going to do right now? I I think I got a temporary job grading test somewhere, and it was just like I couldn't do it because the whole time you got this this thing hanging over your shoulder, right? Like, and so I went there and I just I'm like, you know what? I think I just got to go all in. So I created my own website during, you know, back then you buy a template online. We're talking in 2007, started learning pay-per-click and I put together this website and didn't put it live because I'm not an attorney yet. So I can't do that, but I get it already staged. And then as soon as I got that letter and I, and I was sworn in, I put that thing live and traffic eventually started coming in. Now that was not where we're at today. The internet uh, competition was nowhere near, you know, I think, pay-per-click was like five cents a click, right? So I, I could experiment and be wrong and it didn't cost a lot. Now, back then, you know, 50 bucks was a lot of money for advertising uh, for, you know, trying one medium or another. But what I did to answer your question is I had a cousin who lived in Eau Claire, a good friend of mine, almost like a brother to me. And I said, hey, I am a lawyer now. You know, I think you would be an excellent person to help me out. Just that if you like to help people, you've got that kind of, the brain that just likes strategy. And I said, what do you think about going to the technical college down there and, and getting uh, like a paralegal degree? He's like, that sounds awesome to me. And I'm like, I can't pay you a lot. So I'm just going to have to pay you like contract. Like, you, you, you know, if you work 10 hours for me, send me the bill for 10 hours. And he's just like, that sounds good to me. And he's probably living at his mom, you know, his mom's house at that time. And I couldn't afford legal research. So because of my time working for the, the judge, I knew there was a law library in Washington County, which is, you know, 10 minutes. The Washington County Court was 10 minutes from where I lived. So I would drive up to the law library and do Westlaw, all this stuff for free. I just, I spent so much time in there. And then, so I started, you know, teaching him how to do that. He had learned some of this in, in his paralegal program. And so he was kind of helping me like, I'd say, hey, man, I got this new case. You know, maybe it was a criminal case. I got to figure this out. We need to draft a memorandum. I need your help. And then he'd do it, send me the bill. And that's how I started shifting some of the weight off of me and doing that kind of first hire. But I mean, it's, it wasn't officially in hire because one cousin and two is like an independent contractor. But that was the start. That was the first employee. He's still here today. Now he's a real employee. But we're talking, you know, that's 2007. He's been with me now 14 years. So incredible. And I imagine that, you know, the, the, why, first of all, when you, when you start a law firm, you start a business, you're willing to take a lot of cases probably back then that you wouldn't take today. Right. You said criminal, you said probably everything came to the door. You're like, Hey, we got to make revenue, you know? So where did you reinvest and kind of, where did that, the hill you start to come on the other side where, and you start to develop that consistent pipeline. Was it, was it, still PPC, TV, SEO, what, what was kind of the big change? So back then I had my website, I was still running it and I was doing kind of what we do now. And I was just thinking about this this morning. I had the right idea back then. I just didn't know exactly how to do it. I was building content, but a lot of it, because I didn't have the time to draft all of the content myself, you could buy content from like, I think it was Nolo or some other places. And we found out later that Google penalized you back and stupid, but I didn't know that, you know, so I was trying to make my website, this resource, semi-truck accidents, car, you know, everything that I did. Um, 
I didn't have to worry so much about family law and criminal law because as long as you said you did it, the cases were kind of coming in. I had that website presence and the cases would just come in between the website and the pay-per-click was generating a pretty fairly, you know, strong stream of work. And then what kind of worked for me, and I didn't plan on this, was because I'm down in the cities area. I'm, you know, my main office at this point is in Hudson back in 2007. I'm still kind of got this thing that I'm doing over in Woodbury. But because I'm in Wisconsin, in Hudson's considered part of like the metro for the cities, a lot of the folks that lived in the cities would have these cabins in northern Wisconsin, right? So they would look for an attorney. They'd have land disputes, issues up there. And then I would get hired down here to go up there and represent them. And they were usually fairly well-to-do, you know, doctors, you know, other business professionals. And so I started getting into the civil litigation up in the Northwoods real estate. And uh, that helped out a ton to kind of get going. And, and that was the pay-per-click, the website that really worked well for me. You kind of might get those client pipeline going. You talked about your, your, your mother wanted you to go to law school. You talked about your grandparent wanted you to go to college. What's like a proudest moment? You're like, Hey, you know, this is all real. Like this is, I'm running a legit business. Like where is there's this proudest moment that comes to come to mind that, that maybe you had this experience, um, that stands out. Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a series of things. It's hard because as you, you realize in business, sometimes there's just like two steps forward, one step back. And part of my personality has been a risk taker and always trying to get bigger and grow. And originally I didn't plan it that way. I actually was doing, like you pointed out, general practice. And I ran into, in Hudson, I ran into an entrepreneur who now runs a really successful business. And back then I was answering my own phones. I mean, I'm doing everything, right? And so he calls me up and he says, Hey, I need someone to help me with my business. And it's your lucky day because I called this larger law firm and they transferred me to a partner and he didn't want to deal with me. And I said, all right. I said, let's meet. And so it turned out he had all this work, this growing business. And he asked me one time, Hey, what's your plan? Like, what is the end plan? You're going to have more offices you're going to have. And I'm like, you know, I guess I don't know right now. Right. I, I just don't know. My plan is to continue was to make a living. I really wanted to help people. I really love the practice of law. I had quite a bit of courtroom experience because I was doing general practice. So I'd be thrown in family law, criminal law, and I was in and out all the time. And, and because I took any case that came in, I mean, I had certain criteria, but you know, if the person was a good person and they said they're going to pay me. Sometimes they didn't. I didn't even take a retainer. They'd say they paid me. Uh, and they'd say, hey, I got court tomorrow. I do it. I, I, I tried a non-compete case, I think two weeks out from the trial. I told the guy to call a, you know, a more seasoned attorney. That attorney wouldn't take it. So he called me back and said, I need you to try this case. I said, we're going to have to put together a retainer that says, I don't think I can even win. I've done no discovery, but I'll go there and I'll fight for you and do everything. He said, you know, okay. So jumped into a trial. So, you know, that stuff was, I, those are a lot of proud moments of like that. I think getting clients and then helping them. That, that made me feel like I made it. Like I finally, I'm doing, you know, circling back to what the attorney that I met in, in college and then the attorney that I worked for in law school, I felt now I'm a real attorney. I'm helping people, you know, making a living because there was a point where I really wasn't making a living. And I, I do remember sitting down at the river one morning going, am I just going to wake up every morning and work and, you know, and not make money? 
um, and didn't hope for the best. And but eventually, all that just working hard, answering the phone, doing pay per click. I mean, staying up. I, when I get back from work, doing content, doing pay per click, and finally, I don't know if it was about a year in. You know, the needle started to move, right? And now I'm like, now I'm getting a paycheck. And I remember telling one of my friends when I saw him at a wedding, hey, man, I'm making X amount now. And he's like, oh, that, you know, that's excellent. And it wasn't a whole lot of money, but I'm like that. I made that myself. You know, I bootstrapped the office together. I'm getting a paycheck. I can actually contribute to the household now, right? Because my wife's been floating me. And, you know, she wasn't making a lot of money. She she worked for Wells Fargo um, it was her first job. I mean, she basically got into Wells Fargo as like an admin assistant, even though she had a college degree through like a friend of a friend. Right. So we were living on a pretty, pretty tight income. And so like to answer your question, when I finally started paying myself, I'm like, man, I made it. Like, this is what I'm, I'm an attorney. I'm helping people. I'm winning some, I'm losing some, but I'm helping people. They like work with me and I'm, I get paid. So, you know, at that point, Hey, I mean, and I'm working with my cousin. I got it made. <laughs> Well, and I'll just sort of one thing too, is just like, so my cousin works for me and he still, you know, worked for me. He still does. And I, what I did then is basically my brother went to the army. Unlike me, he got injured and he was in Madison. He left school early to go to the army and we convinced him to come back, finish his degree and then come and go to law school and work. And so it, we, I started bringing in my family members, you know, and that's how we grew and grew. And even though, like I told him the other day, we wouldn't have enough work. I'm like, we're going to get you enough work. Like, I want you to work here. So he works here, my one brother, then eventually my other brother. Now my sister, my mom actually even works here now. She's an, a registered nurse and now she evaluates cases. So I decided like, I want them all to work with me. And then in turn, they helped me build the office because I had these people that were really reliable. They were hardworking. And not only did they want the business to succeed as employees, but they wanted it to succeed, you know, being my, you know, my sibling or my mom or my soul. In 2019, Russell took his next big entrepreneurial step. In fact, he took two. Whilst Nicolay Law continued to grow, Nicolay Creative and Nicolay Tech joined the lineup. I asked Russell what drove his decision to found these newer companies. Man, I, I've got like all these ideas and I've always had that at, as far as I can remember, that's kind of like explosion of ideas in my head, right? One of the guys, he was an early client of mine who now was my employee on the tech side. He basically came to me and he, we were, we did a little bit of bartering because I had been working for him and he goes, Hey, you know, I work for a tech company and you could really use my IT, you know, cause I'm starting to grow. And I'm like, yeah, well, I got an IT guy and you know, no offense, this guy if he ever hears it, but he wasn't doing a real good job. And I said, do you want to work out a deal? I'll do legal services for you. You do IT, he's like, deal. And so we started that. And probably one of the smartest guys I know, um, no college degree or anything, just worked his way up through apprenticing with his dad to become like just this genius IT guy. And he's works, he was working for larger firms. He was doing um, veterinarian hospitals, all kinds of stuff. And I told him, if you and your dad ever, like you decide, hey, my dad's going to, he's getting old, he doesn't want to do it. And you want some help running that business or you want to start a new business, call me. Because I like IT. I did IT as a job um, in college. I worked IT for the university. And I'm, I'm like, and I want to, I need, like have these ideas to start a new business. And so eventually he comes to me and says, hey, you still want to do an IT business? And I'm like, sure. And he's like, I don't want to run it. I want to start working it. 
And that started Nicolay Tech. And now we're doing IT for, you know, veterinarians. We do IT for the Nicolay Law. But it's, and it's an awesome job because it's just, it's this other area besides being a legal professional. Now we're helping businesses. And so it's that helping and just taking care of these issues. And then I know when Ryan goes there, um, he's going to fix these problems and he's going to come into a situation where people are like, man, my IT guy said he can't do it or this or that. And he just hammers it out. And they're so relieved because you know, when you're running a small business, you're dependent now on IT. And so that started Nicolay Tech. It's, it's been growing and we've been, we've started doing some work with, with your, with your office, um, your company, but uh, really that started off as a lot of word of mouth, just, it's the same thing, you know, Hey, who's your IT guy? Well, I got this IT guy who saved my butt the other night. Well, can I, can you give me his number? All right. And so now we've got a handful of veterinarian hospitals, probably more than that. Um, we've got a large manufacturing plant, St. Paul we work for, and then keeping with the family thing. My sister helps out on that, but we brought in Ryan's son and we're going to apprentice him up. Now he's going to school too, but now he's working. Ryan's teaching him the ropes and uh, it just is awesome. It just, I, I, Ryan is a great guy. He's one of the best employees you can have, one of the best IT guys I've ever met. His son is just, just like him. And so we're training the son up and it's just like, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. That's incredible. And that's, that's quite a bit different than most business owners. Most business owners are like, no, I'm not going to work with any family. I don't want to, I don't want to mix family and work. And, and you've made the dynamic not only work, but it's amazing what you've been able to do. It's really helped you become that entrepreneur and you have these people you can depend upon. And I guess also, does it force you the mindset like, Hey, I got to grow because I now have, you know, this family to support and we have to keep growing. You know, it's, I've heard people say, you know, you grow or die. And, and so you just keep growing is, is it kind of forced that mindset of growth too? It does. Um, I feel the weight of a lot of these folks now, they count on, you know, what I, the decisions I make. And like a lot of businesses, 2020 was a little rough. I, I got pretty bullish in 2019, which kind of, then this is on the law office end. Um, I had a bankruptcy practice going here that had been doing pretty well. Um, I had started that at one time and it was, I had done some complicated bankruptcy trials. So I felt like we could be one of the best bankruptcy firms because not only can we handle the, the run of the mill bankruptcy, but I'll try the bankruptcy against these creditors. Um, you know, I tried, I, I've been successful in one against banks and I noticed that in that bankruptcy space, it was kind of like, Hey, we'll do the run of the mill bankruptcy for X amount. If you get in more trouble, that's your problem. And in our end, I always thought we're going to do this kind of a volume, but when the, the price you pay is when some of these complicated one comes in, somebody needs help, then we're going to litigate and they don't have the money to litigate. So, you know, we'll make a deal. You're litigating a case that usually would be maybe 30 to $50,000 in attorney fees. And, you know, maybe we'll do it for five grand because that was the price that we need to pay to make sure that we, the trustees, the creditors know we mean business, but then also, that's just when you're doing that handling many bankruptcies, you got to be prepared to help everybody. And some of them are going to be complicated. And so I thought I created this bankruptcy blueprint. And so I had been doing some bankruptcy, same with my brothers, but we we're still doing the injury work, right? So we hired all these folks to just do the bankruptcy process. And, you know, the attorneys, that's all they did. Staff, that's all they did. And surprisingly, bankruptcies went down, at least what we saw during the pandemic. And what I realized too is, 
it just, if we wanted to be an injury law firm, we we're kind of diluting our message. And it was a lot of sleepless nights originally creating a bankruptcy division, but then eventually it kind of got to the point where like we needed to get rid of it. So we were, we had a pretty big thing going. I eventually uh, parted ways with that whole division in uh, 2020, beginning of 2021. And that was a little bit like I was talking about that couple steps forward, a few steps back. And it made me reevaluate, okay, what do, I got to be careful with what we're doing here because some of these decisions, like I'm okay taking the risk, but I got to be careful if I'm going to let go of one, anytime you got to let go of somebody's terrible, right? But and I've got all these family members and then I've got lifelong employees whose families depend on us. And so then we kind of decided, hey, we're going to focus in on injury law. We really like it. And we're going to build up the practice with this little bit tighter foundation rather than spreading out like we were um, because of that, because we know, I mean, they've got to be paid. They've got to have steady income and they've just got to know job security. I mean, as you know, one thing getting a paycheck and you're paying your bills, getting groceries, but it's another thing when you get home at night and you're just not, even if you're getting a paycheck, you're just not sure what your employment future is, right? I mean, that, that weighs on a person. And so my goal has been in 2021 is to make sure that we are thinking five, 10 years ahead, right? So now that's where I'm focusing so that the folks that have chosen to work here and many of them that have worked over five years, seven years, some even over a decade, they can rest assured like we've got a plan and that we're going to stick to that plan and that they can feel good about their career and their stability for their family. Uh, I'm going to ask a follow-up question here and this is kind of self-serving. When you, on a different end, when you see someone maybe that's not performing, right? And you have to do, you have to terminate those individuals. And I'm the same way. Uh, geez, I, there's nothing worse when you have to let somebody go and you end up say, letting go a few people, like what's the balancing act? Because I, sometimes I'm like, Hey, I fired three people consecutively. I'm going to just put the fear in everyone else. And you know, if they're all fearful, maybe they're not working at their maximum capacity. Maybe they'll start looking for another job because of their security. So what's like that balancing act and how do you communicate that message to the rest of the organization? Well, and that we did let go quite a few people and that, that was delicate because the question was, I think on most employees' minds, am I next on the list? Am I gone? Right. And originally it was unknown exactly how far, because we knew the bankruptcy division was going to go, but then that starts to go into intake and other general staff. And uh, I, my brothers helped a bit with that too. We kind of started to think about what employees do we need now and what could we potentially keep, even though we, they weren't necessarily bankruptcy, they were more in the support staff, but assuming we can get busy or in the injury uh, space that we can keep them because they're great employees. And can we do that? And so that was the balancing act of, okay, we, we know we got to get rid of bankruptcy and the folks that want to just do bankruptcy, that's all they're going to do. And that's all they can do. Not that they couldn't do something better, but that's really what they're focused on and what they want to do. We know that's got to go. But now the other thing is these other individuals. And I think what we came down to is we looked at who's working hard here um, that even though they maybe were more needed with the bankruptcy practice, they will be needed. And, and they're just so valuable and talented. We need to keep them regardless. Um, and so that's what we tried to do. And then to answer your question, I got a little bit, and I don't know if the lucky is the word or fortunate, 
but some individuals also left at that time or shortly after themselves, maybe concerned for just what you said. And it made some decisions that I would have had to make, make myself much easier. And it's hard to know now, you know, would I have picked some of them to leave? But what it did turn out for us is that the individuals that did stay, I think are, are and I no offense to the people that left with the great employees, but we do have some of the best of them, best employees. And I'm not just saying from our group of employees, but if you looked at in this area, uh, legal professionals as a whole, I think we, we ended up with a lot of people that are good, good employees. And then individuals that are like the loyalty that they have the office. I mean, if there's any kind of litmus test, right, they pass that. So I feel like the people that are here now, like I got to go to war for them every day because they hung in here when things got tough. They're super loyal and they are the most talented and I don't want to lose any of them. And so that helped me make the decisions, but I also don't ever have to feel like put the fear in them. I think what I found out now and what I've been working on is I got to work on our culture to get back to my original focus, which was helping. Like, and I, I heard another attorney, I don't know if you know, Andrew, Andrew Finkelstein, Finkelstein, it's that caring. And I've always thought that's really important. And so I really want to build the, that concept. And I know, I know we all believe this, but we need to really get this. I need to portray this better to the firm that we're working on is that caring and care for each other. We care for our clients and we care for the community and just build it up that way because rather than operate on the fear, I want people to operate on that. I love this job. And I, and I think a lot of people already do this, but I want to make sure they know that, that this is why you're here. It's not because I'm going to fire you because I, I think you're, you know, you may be kind of slacking a bit. I want people to come in every day excited that what they do here makes a difference for people. They help people. You know, this is a noble a historic profession. And on top of it, like all your coworkers, when you come in and I think most everybody can say this, we feel like friends. You know, some of us are family, obviously, but we feel like friends. So when you come in, this is your group, man. Now I know people would rather be maybe on vacation or hanging out with their kids or doing this, but when they, if they've got to work, which, you know, most of us do, when they come here, this is a place they want to be. And so that's, that's, I'm, I'm working on the culture and we're working on creating a situation where it's not necessarily there's room for moving up position wise because we're not that big yet, but there's room for better benefits for each person, better pay, like so they can see this is going to be the future for them. This is going to provide the groceries, the gas, everything for them and their family. And so that's like where I'm at now. And I'm hoping, you know, rather than the fear aspect, it's just that we love being here. We want to contribute. We love the clients. We love each other. And that's why we're just going to work here. And then when people come in to interview and want to see, or, or people just reach out to me, they're like, man, that's where I want to work. Like, I like that place. Like, my firm's okay, but man, Nicolay Law, look at that. I mean, everybody loves it there. And, and so that's where I'm focused. And 2020, for whatever, you know, it happens, um, that's reset it for me. And it was some we, sleepless nights, hard times, you know, family members at, not at each other's throat, but my brothers and I had some decent arguments. It was rough, but yeah, now I feel like not that everything happens for a reason, but we're, we're definitely getting better. We are better and we're going to keep getting better because of what happened. That's so powerful. That reminds me, uh, I'm not sure if you've read the book, The Hard Things About the Hard Things, Ben Horowitz book. It's the shift from like a peacetime CEO to a wartime CEO. So you went through this like wartime CEO where you had to make these tough decisions for really for the betterment of everyone to get the focus back. And then 
you know, you got the culture back to where people enjoy, you know, their environment and it's really powerful. And I applaud you for that. And on the business book front, you know, are there any business books that like come to mind that really had a big impact on you and your, your trajectory for growing the firm? You know, it's, it's hard because over 2020, I, I read so many books. I, I, I decided to invest like in myself and make myself better. Um, one of the problems, and we're talking about the business, is I had hired kind of a coach at one point and got involved. And him, along with some other things that I had read, were like, you as the, the president should focus more on running the organization. And I, I started to think about that, and it got into my head. And then I realized after, in 2020, that, business needs me to do that, but it also needs me to be a trial lawyer because that's when I'm happy. Like when I'm trying cases, when I'm working cases, when I'm meeting with clients, just sitting in my office, sending out emails and looking at spreadsheets, I'm never going to be happy. I'm not at my best. Is it going to be more stressful balancing both? Yes, but that's what I want to do. And so I, I wish I could tell you a book offhand, but man, I've read so many books in 2020. I joined trial school in 2020. I met so many great people, a lot of that, which are your customers. Like I, and so one of the things that really made me think about like one, you know, this culture, but I looked at when I started out the office, what made me successful now 50 bucks, you know, an advertiser was a lot of money. I had one laptop, but what was my focus? It was helping people. And it was using my knowledge of what people are looking for, for legal services. So then it's been like, okay, I'm going to go back to that. We're going to focus on that helping folks. on why did my cousin come? He wanted to work with me because he enjoyed working with me. We had a great culture, but then two, I kind of had an idea back then what I need to do marketing. Now I got to find like the best of the best vendors to do that for me and, and rely on them based on my original thoughts, but doing it to another level. And so all this stuff, whether it's one book or one podcast or, or whatever, I don't know if I can say that, but I can say that like a mixture of 2020, like just reading as much as I could, listening to many podcasts. I mean, before we started working with you, I was like, I don't want to say stalking you, but man, I was reading all of your stuff and you had put out podcasts, you had put out blogs, uh, just things like that. I had been doing all of that and starting to come to these decisions of like, like I said, like, let's find the best people to work with because I feel like we've got the best team internally. Let's hire the best externally and then let's go from there and then we'll reevaluate in a year. And then on top of that, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to become a better lawyer. I'm going to make, I'm going to lead from the front again, because I, I always believed in that, that you need to lead from the front. And now I'm back leading from the front. I think when I got pulled this thought of me leading from, you know, behind just kind of general, some people can do that. That's not my personality. I want to be providing the big revenue for the cake, for the client, the firm. I want to be the one that's coming back from trial, you know, win or lose, but everybody sees that I'm in there, you know, getting in the trenches. Uh, that's what I want to do. And all of this stuff seems to be, it feels right. The culture is feeling great. And now I'm just trying to figure out the next step of, okay, how do I project safely, but project for us to continue to grow? And so if you have books that you recommend, I'm, I'm reading them, man. Just let me know. I'm consuming as much as I can. I, I just love it. I just have this insatiable appetite right now for knowledge. Uh, I got to balance that with my trial schedule and my cases. But man, I just, at night, on the weekends, I'm reading, watching podcasts, check out your blogs, everything. Thank you for that, Russell. And the mindset that's infectious. I, I'm like, I'm getting motivated here. And you say that, you know, so I, I kind of want to go out on that, that, that tone as one final question here, you know, do you have any advice for fellow personal injury lawyers looking to, to grow their practice, you know, trying to grow a large successful practice? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that I would say is 
you've got to be true to yourself. So it, be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. And then if you're a person, I think most injury lawyers enjoy people, right? A lot of us enjoy dealing with people. We enjoy talking. Um, we enjoy meeting people. Trust your instincts. Like you're a social person. You know, get out there. If you don't have the money to do marketing, get out, network, and just do the right thing for your clients, do the right thing for your community, and you're going to build a practice. But at some point, because the personal injury industry and niche is so competitive, you know, if you want to get bigger, you might have to market. And then you got to find the right people. And that's what I found out the hard way is you need to find the vendors that that do the same thing. And I heard this another, now I'm thinking about it, I heard this on a podcast not too long ago as well, but it's just finding those vendors, those people you work with that, that, that their organization or they are the same as you because you need to find them. Otherwise, what you find is you're shifting something that you actually have a good gut feeling, you have the right ideas and you're giving it to the wrong person and they're going to hurt you. And you're not going to find out until a long time, you know, you a lot of money and all of a sudden you realize, man, the last five years, if I would have found the right vendor, this would have been going on. I should have just been doing it myself. And so I would just say, you know, trust your gut, make sure you work with people that have the same values, the same drive, the same ideas as you. And, and just and, and look to find other firms that are doing well, see who they're working with. You know, that's what I'd have to say is just be careful who you hire, obviously internally, but more importantly for me, I've noticed is be careful with who you hire externally. As the president of not one, not two, but three successful businesses, Russell isn't a bad person to listen to when it comes to founding and growing your own company. Hearing Russell talk so passionately about helping others, be the clients, staff, or family, was so inspiring, I think his advice about working with people and organizations who share the same values and goals are extremely important. I'd like to thank Russell Nicolay of Nicolay Law for sharing his story with us, and I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level. 